You are listening to the most comprehensive source for news and views about today's unions. This is LaborUnionNews.com's Labor Relations Radio and your host, Peter List. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, thanks for turning on and tuning in to Labor Relations Radio. So if you've been listening at all to Labor Relations Radio, you'll notice over the last couple of months that we've been airing that we've had a few episodes involving something called the ABC test and the gig economy and independent contractors. And part of the reason we're covering that is it is a big deal. It is the equivalency of about a third of all U.S. workers who are what are referred to as freelancers or gig workers and whose jobs or livelihoods may be in jeopardy over something called the ABC test. And so what I've done is I've tried to get guests on who could explain different nuances about the ABC test. And it first emerged, as a lot of people know, out in California with the AB5 bill or then law. And it's been um, packed into what's called the PRO Act at the national level. And there's been a a number of issues about it where it's come up in various states and at the federal government level through the different agencies. So episode three of Labor Relations Radio, um, my guests were Kim Cavan and Lisa Rothstein. Lisa is out in California. Kim is in New Jersey. But Kim is one of the leaders of the Fight for Freelancers USA. And because there's been so much stuff going on, um, I've actually become a quite a big fan of Kim's and I follow her group and I follow her on Twitter and she's become a go-to source for me with regard to things around that issue. Different newspaper articles, um, briefs that are written, studies that are coming out, etc. So what I wanted to do is have her back on Labor Relations Radio to kind of give an update and in terms of where things stand to help clarify some of the issues and just kind of fill the listeners in. Now, uh, before I bring Kim on, I've got a big ask of you. As you listen to these episodes, please share them. Um, These issues are fairly important. They're important to the American workforce, and I try to make them as informative as possible, or at least guests who are more informative than than I am. Um, But anyway, here's Kim Cavan from Fight for Freelancers. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. So, Kim Caven, welcome back to Labor Relations Radio. How are you? It's good to see you, Peter. How are you? Good. So, I thought, um, and I I just mentioned to you offline that you've become my go-to resource for anything relative to the independent contractor issue. So, I thought we could do an episode just doing like a catch-up on what's going on and I know there's a lot of things going on from the SCOTUS brief, the NLRB brief that's already been in. Um, Massachusetts had a big decision with the 7-Eleven case a couple of weeks ago. And David Weil got um, shot down in the Senate. So there's a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about. As we get to that, before we get to that, why don't we do like a 30,000 foot level kind of background in terms of independent contractor issue, the AB5, what's going on in New Jersey right now? Yeah, so the ABC test, the version of it that pretty much makes it impossible to be classified as an independent contractor, 
that is our laser focus at Fight for Freelancers. California passed this as Assembly Bill 5. It went into effect January of 2020. My home state of New Jersey tried to copy it uh, right around that same time. That's when our little group formed to stop that from happening, and we succeeded both in New Jersey and New York. And then the PRO Act hit at the federal level with that same ABC test in it, so we became Fight for Freelancers USA and grew into a nationwide group, at which point, as you just mentioned, the battlefield, it's like a war against the ABC test with all these different battlefields we're now trying to keep track of. You have what's happening in the states. So California, there was just a news story where yet another bill with yet more exemptions is in the works for even more professions and industries that are still having trouble and struggling under this. In New Jersey, we just published an op-ed in the state's biggest newspaper over the weekend uh, promoting a bill that was just introduced to try and move the state to the IRS test so that this cannot happen. What happened in California cannot happen here. Um, we got some interesting feedback from a, a fairly long-term Democrat down in the state capitol here in New Jersey who came back with, um, well, we're actually talking about this, and, and we have some ideas on our side of the fence, too. That That is movement off of, we're protecting you by wiping out your livelihoods. So I'm eager to see what is being discussed in Trenton, but they seem to be hearing us now and realizing we're not going to go away until they stop this craziness. Um so we've got that going on in the states. We're keeping an eye on other states. As you said, Massachusetts, they're now trying to impose this ABC test in ways it hasn't been imposed before. There was the court decision you just mentioned um, that basically said you can buy, in some circumstances, you can buy a franchise and still be turned into an employee under this ABC test, Right. Um, which... The implications of that are mind-boggling. Um, in Washington State, there was just a an agreement that went into effect where the local Teamsters agreed to work with Uber on an independent contractor deal, and then the national Teamsters tried to step in and stop it at the last minute, and it ended up going through. So there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of arm twisting and and running around at the state level trying to figure out how to deal with this because the original big plan of just instituting this nationwide by starting in the states, I think it's evident at this point to everybody that that's not going to happen, that the resistance is now growing and growing and growing. And we see that that this ABC test doesn't actually protect independent contractors. It actually attacks our livelihoods and wipes us out. I saw something, um, is either this morning or last night on uh, the Fight for Freelancers Facebook group, and it was about Pennsylvania. And it, it, it seemed as though, if I read it correctly, that the Pennsylvania was starting to move in that direction, but it's now delayed, at least at the state level in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, what happened, what's happening right now in Pennsylvania is the same thing that happened in New Jersey a couple years ago. It always starts with a misclassification report. There's a commission that creates a misclassification report, and one of the recommendations of the misclassification council on whatever they call it in whatever state you're in, they always say, and we should implement this ABC test, just like in California. So our members from Pennsylvania are not even waiting 
until some lawmaker says, yeah, I'm introducing the bill. They're already calling their lawmakers and say, don't you dare even start because we see you coming now and we're not gonna, we're not gonna let you do what happened in California. We saw how they fought it and beat it in New Jersey and New York, and now we're ready to fight you before you even step one foot on the floor of the legislature in Pennsylvania. So we've, we've learned quite a lot fighting state by state. Um, at the federal level, as, as you mentioned in the intro, we're also having to learn quite a lot because they're coming at us with this from multiple angles there, too. We've got, they started in Congress trying to put this ABC test through in the PRO Act, which we did a lot of advocacy work on and were helpful in getting that stalled. We're very grateful to the senators who stood up on both sides of the aisle. It was mostly Republicans with a handful of Democrats who stood up and said, no, we need to protect America's legitimate independent contractors. So we're, we're very grateful to them for listening to us and hearing us and doing the right thing. Um, and with the legislative path blocked, we now are also dealing with the executive branch, where we have the National Labor Relations Board um, withdrew its independent, oh, no, that was I've gotten them confused. It was the National Labor Relations Board requested amicus briefs on the Atlanta what Opera standard, case. yeah, Atlanta Opera, what standard they should use going forward. So we learned what an amicus brief was. We wrote one and we filed one. Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor withdrew its independent contractor rule and is now in the process of deciding what it's going to try to impose going forward. Um, and the way we've been working on fighting that was they were trying to move a guy named David Weil, who you mentioned, into the job as basically America's top misclassification cop. And right. we, again, got on the phone and, and made calls to lawmakers and wrote some pieces that ran in nationwide publications and said, look, we can't have a guy in charge of determining this classification who does not understand why anyone would ever choose self-employment and who thinks we're all just confused and exploited. That's not a person who should be representing all of America. So we were very, again, glad to see his nomination go down in a bipartisan way. It was, again, a lot of Republicans, but a handful of Democrats, including some who we were behind the scenes talking to, voted no and protected us, and we are grateful to them. Uh, right. And we also now have in the courts, because that's not enough for a bunch of volunteers who are running our own businesses having to do on the side. Now we're um, in the courts where lawsuits against California are now starting to get to the level of the U.S. Supreme Court. They've been winding their way through the system for the past couple of years. And the one that is of direct importance to our group is the lawsuit that was filed against the state of California by the American Society of Journalists and Authors and the National Press Photographers Association. It's a First Amendment case that says you can't say something in a law like a marketer writing about a computer is exempt and okay and can work as an independent contractor, but a journalist writing about a computer is not exempt and has to be an employee. You can't make laws based on the content that is being produced. That's a violation of the First Amendment. And so we're, we're at the phase with that now where ASJA and the NPPA have filed with the U.S. Supreme Court asking them to hear the case. The Supreme Court obviously gets a lot of those requests every year. They don't take 
even, you know, it's a tiny fraction that actually get heard. So we uh, revamped our National Labor Relations Board amicus brief for the Supreme Court format, which I think was written in the days of George Washington because the spacing and everything is very weird. And I don't understand these little booklets you have to put together. We had some pro bono help on that from the folks at Littler, the law firm Littler, Mm -hmm. uh, because we didn't understand um, how to do the formatting. And what's different with the Supreme Court is you have to be a member of the SCOTUS bar in order to file a brief there. You can't just file one the way we did as individuals with the National Labor Relations Board. So one of their attorneys who's the member of the SCOTUS bar is going to file that for us probably this week. Um, There was an interesting development. These briefs were supposed to be due a couple weeks ago, and the deadline got extended because the state of California had tried to waive its right to respond to the petition by ASJA and the NPPA. ASJA and NPPA had gone to SCOTUS and said, please hear our case against AB5. And the state of California had said, yeah, I'm not even going to bother responding to this. The Supreme Court went back to the state of California and said, oh, yes, you are. You have to. We want to see what you have to say. And what that indicates is that someone in the U.S. Supreme Court, could be anyone, could be a clerk, could be a justice, could be multiple justices. We don't have any way of knowing. Somebody has an interest in learning more about this case and potentially having SCOTUS hear it. So we're trying to make help make that happen. So let me ask, let me back up for just a second and ask you several questions. First Is that of not all, enough that we're working on here? No, <laughs> right? no, no, this, uh, just for clarification purposes. So for the listeners, um, you are not a professional advocate in, and you kind of reference this, but your background is you're a writer, right? Yeah. Those of us who started Fight for Freelancers, we're just professional freelance writers who were friends from New Jersey originally. It was the founders of the group. We used to get together at a diner once a month and eat eggs and talk about stories we were working on and whatever was up in our lives, you know? Right. And... When this happened, all we knew from our friends in California was this ABC test is causing them to lose their clients. So we created a Facebook group here in New Jersey, just trying to figure out what to do to stop that from happening to our careers and our clients. And all of this has grown from that, where Fight for Freelancers now represents thousands of people in all kinds of professions. The the Supreme Court brief is co-signed by so many different kind of groups, translators, interpreters, professional consultants, um, all different kinds of writers and editors and proofreaders and, and authors and all different kinds of those groups um, representing, I think we're up to somewhere around 275,000, maybe more than that, people that are right. that are in the coalition now. What it's become is people see our names. We, the one skill we have is that we're good communicators. We know how media works because that's what we do for a living. So by putting our voices out there, people have naturally come and found us and followed us and found us, as you said at the top, to be a trustworthy source of information. A lot of us are national award-winning journalists who write for some pretty big-name publications. And we're just doing our best to get the message out there that the majority of independent contractors are like us, no matter what profession they're in, whether they're graphic artists or, or graphic designers, musicians, um, owner-operator, truck drivers, whatever, whatever they happen to be, 
they're choosing to be their own bosses. They're choosing to be independent contractors. Study after study after study shows this. And we do not see that narrative very often in the press. What we see in the press is descriptions of this ABC test as something that will protect us and make our lives better when all the evidence we have of California is that it destroys us and wipes out our livelihoods. So what we're doing is trying to use our skills and now the skills of everyone in our group to raise our voices. We're never going to be as big and as organized as the people who are attacking us with this thing, but we can make enough noise, especially through the press, that they know they have to deal with us because we're not going to go away. Right. I, um, I've i described this issue, like I've been tracking the PRO Act and the predecessor bills, which goes back to you know, the 2000s, right? Um, and so I was really focused on the union components of the PRO Act, not the independent contractor thing until about a year ago. Um, and so... And I mentioned you have become my go-to resource for finding news about that. And I'm just going to give you a shout out relative to your Twitter account. If anybody is on Twitter, you need to follow the Kim Caven, which is, you know, Caven with a K and like, just follow that account. Um, but I, what, so, what made you, Peter, what made you jump into the independent? What got your attention a year ago? Just that the noise had gotten a little louder? Um, no, a friend, uh, mutual acquaintance, Gabriel, uh, Gabriella Hoffman, wrote an article on Town Hall, and she and I have known each other kind of from afar for uh, over a decade. Like, I, I knew her as she was getting out of college, moving to D.C., met her at a conference. Um, she's got a fascinating story on the other side of that. But she did this thing on Town Hall, and I was like, well, you know, the PRO Act's more about, you know, the unions and this and that. And she goes, and I reread it, and she's like, 59 million Americans. And this is where it jeopardizes 59 million Americans' livelihoods. Right at the and top like, of page one. Ah. And <laughs> yeah. so it was It was not long after that that I started following you. I think I reached out to you or you were, I don't know which was which, but I started following you more closely um, and kind of got the, the gravity of the situation kind of like clicked for me. I was like, wow, they're really doing a lot. Um, so the other thing that, I didn't quite understand when you folks were preparing the amicus, yeah, the amicus brief for the, for the uh, Supreme Court. I didn't realize that was about AB5, and it really was about the writers. And the and I don't know what the um, limits were on, is it 35 articles you're allowed to write or not allowed to write if you're in California? Originally, they, originally yeah, so that was 50? AB5. Is uh, it up to no, 50? Now, I think that it's... Um, gone altogether, but there are still limitations on certain types of journalism. There's problems with video journalists. There's uh, there's problems with other types of, of speech that the ASJA complaint lays out. And so the way that that came about was the way that our involvement with that came about. Many of us, including me, are longtime members of the American Society of Journalists and Authors. And we knew that this lawsuit was going on um, but we've been very busy focusing on fighting on other levels, all the levels that we talked about before. When, when the National Labor Relations Board in late December asked for amicus briefs about which test it should use to determine independent contractor status, we, we figured out how to write one of those briefs, and we asked ASJA if they would co-sign it 
be one of our co-signers at the end of the brief. The more co-signers you get, the more people apparently pay attention to you, uh, mm. from what I'm told. It's all new news to me, but this is what we're doing now. So we sent it to them, and their lawyer came back and said, not only will we sign it, but we're about to file our petition with the Supreme Court against AB5 in the case that's been working its way through the court system for the past couple years, would you consider just revising it slightly for the SCOTUS format? And so that is how we ended up writing the brief for the Supreme Court of the United States. It's based very much on the original National Labor Relations Board brief. The reason we're hoping it will help is what I understand to be true at this point of amicus briefs is you have the main case that gets filed. In this case, it's a First Amendment case by the journalists and authors and photographers that's being filed. The amicus briefs then come in and can either help support that case directly, just continue on that First Amendment argument, or can make related arguments that help the justices understand why they should take the case, that it affects more than just writers and photographers in California. This ABC test problem is really much broader at this point than just this particular case that was originally filed several years ago when AB5 went into effect. So what our brief is about is the fact that since the very founding of this nation on day one, it has been legal to hang out a shingle as an independent contractor. You can say, I'm open for business, and you can do business with whoever you please, and good for you. Knock yourself out. You know, If you want to go get a, a traditional nine-to-five job as an employee, that's fine. And if you want to be your own person in your own business, that's fine too. This ABC test tries to change that reality in a way that we can no longer hang out a shingle in our professions. The, the way this ABC test is written, you can no longer take money from a company that's in the same line of business that you are. So for someone like me, who's a freelance writer and editor working for publishers, boom, overnight, those relationships become illegal unless I'm made an employee. Um, we And so we're trying to help the justices understand that the case that ASJA and NPPA are filing is important and they should take it, not just because of the First Amendment issues that have arisen in California, but also because of this cascade of events that has happened across multiple states, Congress, the National Labor Relations Board, the U.S. Department of Labor, all these different things that we just talked about. This bad policy is is now trying to be implemented all over the place, all across the country, and we we would very much like them to help us put a stop to that. Yeah. So um, I was trying to explain the ABC tests verbally on the phone yesterday, and it's it's really there's three parts to it. Obviously, A, B, and C, um, and it's not an either or. It's an and all three, right? And it's that B part which you just basically described that really cuts down the opportunity to work for other companies if the contractor is uh, doing the same line of work as the contractee, right? Right. So this the ABC test has been around since the 1930s in various formats. There are states that use it for some things but not other things. There are states that use only parts A and C but not part B. My home state of New Jersey uses it but they use it with a different kind of Part B that it, that's written differently. The, the version we're talking about is a version that only exists in two states, 
Massachusetts, where it's been around for a while and only now is starting to be used the way uh, is very, very detrimental to people like us. The other state is California, which was Assembly Bill 5, which we've been talking right, about. Right. And the problem, what they did was, uh, in my opinion, they weaponized it. That's the word that I use. They took this BPROM, which traditionally has had has said the contractor cannot be in the same line of work as the company that's paying her or cannot work in that place of business. So for somebody like me, who's a freelance writer and editor delivering articles to publishers of all kinds, I can do that from my living room all day long with my laptop computer and still remain in compliance with that BPROM because I'm not in their place of business. Yes, I'm in the same line of work, but I'm not in their place of business. What they've done with the ABC test version we're talking about, the weaponized version, is they chopped that B-prong in half, and they got rid of the second half of it. So now the entirety of B-prong says you can no longer be an independent contractor if you're in the same line of business as the company paying you, period. And when, once you do that, now we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of professions, everyone from accountants and attorneys to bookkeepers and exotic dancers. It's this crazy wide swath of individuals doing all kinds of work all across the country who get sucked into this. And it's never before been done at the federal level. They're trying to put it in at the federal level. And when we've tried to talk to lawmakers about it who are pushing it at the federal level, they've told us this is their intent. We, we, we took a meeting, one of the meetings that really drove it home and scared the heck out of me was we took a meeting with a woman named Nikki McKinney, who at the time was a top policy aide for United States Senator Patty Murray. She's the chief mm -hmm. sponsor of the PRO Act. Right. Uh, Nikki McKinney has since gone on and got promoted. She's now in leadership at the U.S. Department of Labor under President Biden. Okay. Um, but when we, <laughs> yeah, when we got on the phone with Nikki McKinney, we were our, our big ask was, please take this ABC test out of the PRO Act. This doesn't help us. It hurts us. It's got nothing to do with creating unions. Not a single union has been created because of this in California. This is about hurting independent contractors. And one of our co-leaders at Fight for Freelancers, her name's Karen Warren. She's a freelance writer out of Georgia. She said on the call, I had 30 clients last year. My absolute best case scenario, if I don't just lose all my clients the way it happened to people in California, my best case scenario is that I go from being a small business owner with 30 clients in charge of what I do, when I do it, how I do it, what I choose to do, and when and how. I go now to having 30 part-time bosses. That's my best case scenario under this law is I now answer to 30 part-time bosses. How can a human being even do that? How would you ask for a day off? Would you have to file 30 forms? What if you had a worker's comp claim because you, what, slipped in your kitchen? <laughs> how, 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 how would any of this even work? And Nikki McKinney's answer is, we see no problem with that outcome. And, and when you hear the people pushing this ABC test talk that way, you understand that the destruction of our livelihoods is a feature, not a bug of this ABC test, no matter where they try to put it in, whether it's in legislation, like through Congress or in the states, whether it's through regulations, like at the USDOL and the National Labor Relations Board, no matter where it goes, its intent 
is to drive independent contractors out of the workforce, based very much on the academic theories of Mr. David Weil, who we mentioned earlier. He was His nomination just went down uh, in Congress. He was supposed to be installed as the nation's new top misclassification cop. He's the guy who is the architect, the academic architect of this whole thing. He wrote a book called The Fissured Workplace. And if you read this book, you will see that his worldview is that life was better when America just had a bunch of big unionized companies and everything was very controlled and organized and almost everybody was an employee and everybody's life was a lot better. 1950s and 60s. Yes, he thinks the 1950s and 60s were grand. I can tell you the women I know from that era, the people of color I know from that area would have a different opinion, but I digress. What his theory is, is that the more we get away from that, what he considers to be the ideal, the more that that ideal is fissured, that's how you get the workplace we have today, where millions and millions of people, most of us by choice, are choosing to be independent contractors outside the traditional employer-employee unionizable relationship. So he, his goal, his intent is to try to put back together what he sees as broken after AB5 was implemented in January of 2020, he co-wrote a paper that basically called for a super ABC test because he was upset that legitimate independent contractors in California had gotten exemptions from the law. We can't have that. We've got to have everybody sucked into this thing. That's pa- who, That's the attitude that we're fighting. With this. Yeah, pause on that for a second because um, that's the other thing that a lot of people don't understand. In California, when AB5 passed, there was a bunch of exemptions. They went back and basically, I don't know if they rewrote the law or just but did carve-outs for specific industries. And then you had Prop 22 out there, which exempted sort of um, Uber and Lyft or the rideshare companies. And the part of the problem is if they did it nationwide with, like, say, the PRO Act, there's no way to really carve out specific industries in a federal bill like that. There are no exemptions in the PRO Act. And yes, what what you said, not only in California, we're seeing it in New Jersey now too. So what happens is the way it went down in California, and even David Weil acknowledges this in the paper that he wrote in early 2020, the exemptions were pretty much based on politics and access to the people who were writing the law. And if you could go in and cut a deal, however you cut a deal, you could get your profession exempted so that this didn't apply to you. So some of the original exempted professions were people like attorneys who have a pretty good lobby and a pretty good way of making an argument to lawmakers that they're going to make their lives miserable if they do this to them. Um, And there was a bunch. After AB5 was implemented, they had to do a cleanup bill where they ultimately exempted more than 100 professions because so many people came forward, including the freelance writers and the photographers, and said, our clients are, are just cutting ties with us because if you, if you as the person who's paying the freelancer, if you're the company that's paying the independent contractor, what this ABC test means is you can now be found in violation of misclassification laws and you as the company hiring the freelancer are now subject to big fat fines and, and uh, in some places uh, it's a felony, uh, a lower level felony now to, to, to be found guilty of intentionally misclassifying people. So 
if you're the company making a choice of should I take that risk or not, even if we're pretty sure we're in compliance with the law, it's somebody like me who has been an independent contractor for 20 years by choice with a client I've worked with for 20 years by choice. We all get along great. We have a wonderful business relationship. It is in the best legal interest of those companies to simply cut ties with people like me so as not to expose themselves to those big fines. It doesn't make any sense to any of us. It's destroying business relationships that are valuable and profitable for everybody and fantastic. But that's that's what, what's been happening. And so every different profession that has a lobbyist is trying to get themselves out of this net, right? It, it's like they were trying to throw a net that hit Uber and Lyft, but it was like one of those giant tuna nets that catches all the dolphins and the turtles and everybody else is swimming along. That's actually a great analogy. That's what happened. And so they're now about to do round three out there with, it was a, I believe it was a Democrat. It was in the news who said, we're now working on round three with more exemptions for industries and professions that are still caught in that net. And in the meantime, what we've seen in New Jersey, they've stopped pushing the actual AB5 copycat bill But people who have lobbyists, industries that have lobbyists, are now trying to get standalone bills in place that say no matter what happens next, we're independent contractors, just because they know this assault is going to keep happening. So the the recent example was there was a, a bill that came through that was specific only to golf caddies in the state of New Jersey, the guys who carry your golf clubs. <laughs> they, they wrote a whole bill that right. said... No matter what anybody says anywhere ever and passes, we are independent contractors, so we can keep carrying people's golf clubs. And this this did not get a single no vote in the New Jersey legislature. It it ended up being vetoed by the governor after we went on TV and made a big stink about how just ridiculous this situation has become. And we're now writing standalone bills to exempt golf caddies while leaving hundreds of other professions blowing in the breeze with this thing. But this is the level of craziness that has happened. And so what independent contractors like us have figured out, it's ironic, but these bills have brought together, have, it's one of the biggest grassroots organizing movements in years because you have all these independent contractors who go through life as as just individuals running our businesses now coming together as translators and truckers and real estate agents and all, all these different kitchen kitchen designers. We have all these professions that are affected by this. And we are now joining arms and locking arms and saying, we're not going to let you do this to us. We're not going to let this go through. We're not going to let you divide and conquer us the way you did with the people in California. And you're doling out exemptions to some, but not others. We're not doing it. We're standing together and saying, no, this underlying policy is wrong. This underlying policy causes harm and not good. And we're going to fight it tooth and nail everywhere that we can. Let me ask you something. You have taken that you and others have taken this on and and it appears and this is just following the facebook page and twitter it's almost a full-time job for you (laughs) it looks that way (laughs) do you have time to do your full-time freelancing we do in fact several of the leaders of fight for freelancers actually had our best years ever in 2021 recovering from the pandemic we we took a little poll amongst ourselves to make sure we we were still having enough time to do our real careers um what we figured out early on is If you're a person who knows how to do research, deep research, and communicate effectively, both in person with lawmakers and in the press, you're the one who has to be doing this. That's what's required in order to win. We happen to be those people. So we started out just trying to talk to our lawmakers and saying, hey, you're hurting us. 
But so many people kept coming to us that we realized they don't know how to do what we know. We, we have different skills, just like I don't know how to do what a plumber knows how to do. They don't, people don't know how to use media like we know how to use media. So right. for us, running the Twitter feed, the Facebook group, making the videos, writing the op-eds, it, it, it's stuff that takes other people way more time than it takes us. I'm not saying it takes us a small amount of time. We all work on this every day when we have time. And we hand off to each other. We're friends. We're friends since before this started. We're we're just trying to solve this policy issue. And then we'd very much like to go away and not have to ever <laughs> deal with anything like this again so that we can continue running our businesses. But the, the more and more we do this, the more and more you know people come to depend on you and, and look to you for leadership. So we're, we're just trying to do a good job until we can solve the problem. And if the lawmakers would please just solve the problem, we'd be happy to shut up and go away. But until that day, forget well, about it. Yeah. I know you I know you've listened to prior episodes of Labor Relations Radio. I've had several guests um, on who have said essentially there's no bad idea that goes away in DC. So it sounds like this may be a vocation for you, at least a side gig, so to speak, for years to come. <laughs> so. Well, the, the beauty of being professional writers is at some point there'll be books. I'm guessing there'll be movies, something of that nature. You know, we, we have more material than we know what to do with at this point. But we, we'd really like to just solve the problem at, at this moment because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that people who for decades have chosen to be freelancers and earn a great living at it and are successful, it's ridiculous that the government would come in and say, no, you don't. That, that to me is outrageous and it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Well, and it also seems like it's um, at the state level, it's almost like whack-a-mole. Like it, you know, pops up in California, then Jersey and then Massachusetts. And, you know, so what next, Iowa? It's funny. Our, our co-leader, Jen Singer, has a, a one of those GIFs, GIFs, whatever they're called online, people, mm-hmm the funny video, little video clips. Hers is whack-a-mole. She always puts up the whack-a-mole game. Whenever it pops up some, oh, it's in a new bill. Whack-a-mole. Here we go again. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's the, 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 the thing we're up against is people who really understand how government work are currently in control of huge swaths of government in some of the states and at the federal level. So I, I think it was actually on one of your previous podcast, I heard someone talking about how things are worse on this front than they've ever been before, because from day one, President Biden started putting people into positions who actually knew how the intricacies and all the little levers and avenues of government work, all that Byzantine stuff that none of the rest of us understand. Yeah, they had a game plan and they hit the ground running. That was uh, Michael Letito mentioned that on on, uh, a couple weeks ago. That must be where I heard it. And and I thought, okay, that makes sense because this thing is now popping up like a whack-a-mole in places that we didn't even know existed. You know, like how could the Federal Trade Commission be dealing with this right now when we saw a letter that senators sent to them about this? How could this be showing up there? Why is this in a Climate Resiliency Act that was just introduced in Congress? What What is going on? And we're starting to understand they're just trying to shove it in through these pathways and alleyways and doorways of government that that we have to learn where they are. Uh, and, you know, again, we're pretty good researchers. We pay attention. We watch the news closely on a daily basis, and we're doing our best to learn and fight back in every single battlefield where we can. Well, part of this stuff is, you know, these are 
Um, I think the America Competes bill was like 2,500 pages or something like that. And they slipped in card check. And yeah, so they slip all these little provisions into these little, the big bills and expectation that nobody's reading them. Um, so it's really, it's, I don't remember if it's Michael or somebody else mentioned, you know, you really have to pay attention to what's going on in between those little pages. And um, there are people who get paid to do that, right? Like right. the U S chamber of commerce and various right. other groups. And, you know, we, we've learned who to follow and, and we've tried to make some friends in DC who are really on the inside with a lot of this stuff and can say to us, here's what this is and here's why you should care because I know you've never heard of this before. And then we go, okay, now we understand what's happening and we can do something like write an op-ed, which is what we're really good at. That's how it's shaking out. Yeah. As, um, so you, you have, I don't, you don't need to give me an exact number, but you have a number of people that are just, you divide up the labor here, you do an op-ed here or, or you get something coming in and how do you guys divide up your labor? Um, a lot of times when we're doing something that's written like an op-ed, a lot mm-hmm. of times I'll be the one who writes the first draft, but then, uh, our other co-leaders, Jen and Debbie and Karen, again, all professional writers and editors, uh, among us, we just kind of attack it behind the scenes, like, um, red pen teacher it oh, <laughs> from, cool. your, from your days. Right. And we, we just work together very collaboratively. We all come we're all very successful writers and editors, but we all come from different angles of writing and editing. I have a much stronger news background. I was a daily newspaper editor for about 10 years, and I have a journalism degree from the University of Missouri. Um, Jen Singer, one of our co-founders, does a lot of ghostwriting and speech coaching for people like CEOs who want to write a book. So she's real good at messaging and figuring out what's our punchiest talking point way to say something. Hmm. Our our co-leader, Debbie Abrams-Kaplan, uh, we call her the eagle. She's got the eagle eye for making sure we have every detail right, and all of our links are going to the best possible sources that they can, and we have no typos in anything, and we are as professional as we can look. Um, and uh, we have Karen Warren, who often comes in with ideas for how we can Uh, take that messaging and maybe convert it over to someplace like Twitter that we're not really thinking about when we're writing an op-ed, but you have to think a little differently for social media, even when it's the same message. So all of us, and then we have members of Fight for Freelancers who have skills of of this nature in other ways, where if we're working on something like the amicus brief for the Supreme Court, we asked a few of the members who come from backgrounds like book editing, uh, to take a look at that for us and make sure we were doing things like the citations correctly. And uh, we, we just have all these, you know, if we need something that involves um, images, we'll turn to some of our members who are professional graphic designers and say, can you help us figure out how to do this? And and everyone is happy to help contribute whatever they can. You know, nobody's asking anybody for money. This isn't a dues paying. We're not even a formal organization. We call ourselves <laughs> right. and we're a Facebook group. We're an ad hoc coalition, but we're a place where everyone has the same goal. We do not allow left-wing, right-wing politics to take over our Facebook group. Everyone across this political spectrum has the same goal, which is to stop this crazy ABC test policy from spreading beyond the borders of California. That's our goal. And we all just work on that goal, however we have time and whenever we can. And we take it seriously because our livelihoods are on the line. This isn't, this isn't a joke for us. This is how we pay the mortgage. 
So let me ask you on um, on AB five. So hypothetically, if you're able to, the pro act's not going anywhere. At least we don't think it is this year. Um, and if you're able to keep the lid on places like New Jersey and kind of tamp back the Massachusetts stuff, which may not happen, is do you think there's any chance that AB five will eventually get repealed in California? Boy, I sure hope so for those for all those people in California who still cannot work um, the way they want to work. I, I I sure hope lawmakers come to their senses and do that. Have you it's, heard anything? <laughs> well, it's really challenging in states where there is trifecta control by the Democratic Party, where they have control of the Senate, the Assembly, and the Governor's Mansion, because while the Resistance to this is 100% bipartisan, and while we have gotten absolutely gotten help from moderate Democrats behind the scenes, as well as publicly in things like the David Weil vote, um, there is also no question that the people pushing this are coming from the, the far left. This is the progressive left and the socialist left. The Democratic Socialists of America say this is one of their top legislative priorities to right. get this through. So we we try very hard not to make it a political issue because it's a legislative issue. It's a policy issue is what we're actually trying to fight. Um, would AB5 get repealed in a place where the folks from the, the, the left, the hard left, are in control of all the areas of government? I think that's a pretty heavy lift. They're the ones who want this, and they're in charge right now. Of, how, of what gets passed. So that's hard. But more and more of the moderate Democrats, including ones who help us behind the scenes, who know that this is wrong and who just don't come out and say so publicly because they don't want to get beat up politically, they're now starting to step out a little more. And, and you know, it's our hope that after the recent election cycle in places like Virginia and New Jersey, where the Democrats really took a beating beyond what they were expecting they were going to get because people were so angry. That was not obviously about our issue at the forefront, but our issue was in the, in the mix on that. It's our hope that more and more of the moderate Democrats will help us figure out a reasonable solution to deal with the contingent that is pushing this so hard and won't let it go like a dog with a bone and those of us whose livelihoods stand to be destroyed that we know that they understand the problem they tell us behind the scenes that they understand the problem we think they're trying to figure out how to solve it we hope that they will do so does that include repealing ab5 hard to say in a state with trifecta control yeah i mean california they've got a super majority out there and of course gavin newsom's the governor but <clears throat> they had the Prop 22, which was a ballot initiative, could go, and I, you're not in California, nor am I, but potentially they could do a, a ballot initiative. That would cost a lot of money. But Well, they're doing it in Massachusetts now, right? They're trying to copy that playbook in Massachusetts right now. Um, right. What I think is more likely and in some ways good and in some ways bad for this issue, what I see happening is more and more Republicans realizing they can make this an election issue. We saw it a little bit in New Jersey where the the man who ran for governor and came way closer than anybody thought to winning 
um, shocked the pollsters statewide, all that kind of stuff. Right. He, he had freedom for freelancers on his campaign page as one of his things that he was going to do to make sure that this didn't happen to us. Now, he didn't, he didn't bring that issue to the forefront of his campaign, but they were testing it out, I think, to see, will this swing some votes? Will people vote on this issue? And I can tell you from talking to members in our group, including some who used to do fundraisers for Democrats, absolutely people will vote on this issue and, and cross party lines to make this stop. People need to be able to pay their mortgages. So I see that happening. I see in New Jersey us calling for the IRS test bill and a Democrat coming back and saying, well, we're working on something else. We'll, we'll get back to you in a minute. So that tells me maybe there's conversations going on about we need to get this issue off the table before the next election is how that reads to me. I see Senator Tim Scott in Washington, D.C. at the federal level bringing out his new bill, uh, the employee, what's it called? Employee the Employee Rights, Rights Act. Act. Employee yeah. Rights Act which has a whole section that tries to put a stop to this craziness. And because he used to be an independent contractor, he gave a really good talk about it in a committee hearing on this issue once. And he said, I used to work this way for years and it, it was fine. I'm not, these people aren't all exploited. We have to protect the ones who are choosing to be their own bosses. So what I see happening now is a handful of Republicans trying to test out how far can we push this? Can we make this a campaign issue? And I think in some way that's good you know, if they take control of things and, and get this through, fine by me if that's what solves the problem. You know, we, we, I don't even want to talk about other issues and whether I agree or disagree with which party on what. But on this particular issue, if that's what it's going to take, maybe that's what has to happen. What, am I, what I'm hoping is the moderate Democrats will be smart enough to realize let's not give them the issue. Let's actually fix the policy problem. <laughs> and, and then this whole thing goes away if they just fix the policy problem. Well, part of the, excuse me, part of the problem I've found is that, uh, and I think you know this too, nobody knows about it, you know, it, except for the people that it's affected, nobody really knows about it. And so I was trying to explain this yesterday on a telephone call and, you know, I, I think I used either yours or, or Lisa's um, analogy. It's just say 1099, anybody who's 1099 and yeah, it's true. And I'll tell you, when when we try to talk, if you're not from California or New Jersey or New York, where lawmakers actually either got this through or, or tried to get this through, it sounds crazy to you. Mm -hmm. it, we, sound like, we sound like people who need to take a pill or something and calm down. Because to a rational human being, when you hear they're not going to let people earn a living as consultants in their area of expertise, as independent consultants, you can no longer do that. That sounds so over the top, not so that normal people say, well, that can't ever happen. No way they'll right. let that happen. Right. And we always say, let me introduce you to the state of California. Let me show you the PRO Act. Here's what's happening at the US Department of Labor and the National Labor Relations Board. And, and at that point, people's eyes kind of glaze over and say, what, what the heck are they talking about? It, it becomes, it's it's unbelievable what this is, literally and, and figuratively. It's it's just unbelievable to people what this is. And so half our battle is making sure people understand this is not a drill. This is actually happening. And we have been unfortunate to be in the states where it's come the hardest at the state level, and that has forced us to understand how they're trying to do it at the federal level so we can stop it. Luckily, 
more and more people are coming around to understand what we're talking about and, and realizing that it is real. The, the biggest challenge half the time, honestly, is when we get in the room with the lawmakers, they don't even realize people like us exist. That's been half the battle all along, where you sit down with lawmakers and they say, well, aren't all independent contractors Uber drivers? And you have to explain to them, no, sir, that's not how America works. <laughs> you have right. to start from square one. So well, you know, to your point, people don't, people don't get it. We're trying to help people get it. But we were talking about this earlier about the lawyers, how they got exempted in California. And I started thinking, you know, a lot of a lot of lawmakers are lawyers. Um, a lot of them have come out of either private practice or big firms. But even just giving the argument, like if you use a paralegal who's a freelancer, guess what? You're not going to be able to use that paralegal or you're going to have to hire he or her, him or her as a employee. And no, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. It's like those little arguments. I guess for lawmakers, because they are all lawyers, not all of them. Well, and uh, some of them are former business owners or, or right, current business right. owners. And when you talk to those lawmakers, it doesn't matter what party they're in. They go, what do you mean I couldn't hire consultant Joe Smith, who I've hired once a year for 50 years because he's the best at what he does? You know, when you talk to those people, they get it in five minutes and they understand the legislative problem. And then they kind of lean back in their chair and start to think about, well, how do I fix this in a way that doesn't cause me a political problem? And that's where things usually end up. You know, there's another angle to hit them with is you couldn't hire campaign consultants. So. Door knockers, right? The door knockers right, was right. a whole thing in California. Um, it, the, the number of professions this hits is startling. The, the, a couple that, that just make that point. In California... The Santas at the shopping malls, when we used to all go to shopping malls before COVID, um, right. they are hired by uh, entertainer agencies. So they're in the same line of work as entertainers. So, so shopping malls would call these agencies and say, we need a Santa for this week. Do you have a Santa available? Well, that became a problem. Santa all of a sudden couldn't go to the mall and let the kids sit on his lap. Some of them are, that sounds funny, right? But then you get into things like um, forensic nurses who, if you think about smaller or regional hospitals that don't have huge operating budgets, like big city hospitals might, um, they will often use forensic nurses on an independent contractor basis so that when a rape case comes in and someone needs to perform the evidentiary exam, what we would colloquially call a rape right. kit, they call the independent contractor who's a forensic nurse who handles that region and she comes in and, and or he comes in and does that evidentiary exam. It, think about the spread between the two things that I just said and all the different professions that, you know, forestry professions. I, we have a kitchen designer who's up in arms about this in our group. It, 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 people who make video marketing things, um, let's say, Let's say you're a graphic designer who works for multiple graphic design firms on a project basis, just because with design, people like certain styles of design. So you're their go-to person for a certain style of project and different agencies come to you for your style of, of graphic design. You're out of luck now too, because it's a graphic design firm and you're a graphic designer. None of this makes sense to any of us who actually earn a living this way. The only way this makes sense is what the people writing the bill told us, is that they want to misclassify us as employees so we can be unionized. That's the goal. Right. We reject that. We reject that stance. We think that's wrong. Yeah. So much for free choice. 
And again, we, we have no problem if, if you're a, an employee and you want to get together with your fellow employees and unionize, knock yourself out. You know, I, I know that not everyone who listens to this show might agree with that statement, but I'm the daughter of public school teachers in New Jersey, both union members who my whole life said the whole reason we could go to the doctor and have health insurance is because of the union. And it was drilled into my head from when I was a child. So if you had asked me when all this started, how I feel about unions, I would say, I don't have a problem. If people want to unionize, whatever you want to do, whatever works for you. Today, I have a very different view of what's happening because this isn't about helping people who want to, helping employees who want to unionize. This is about trying to eliminate people who want to be self-employed from even being able to earn a living. That's what this ABC test is about. And that is a very, very different thing and should not be allowed. Because you're taking work away from people who could otherwise be doing it as union members. I suppose that would be their argument. Yeah. Um, so real quickly, and we've been on for close to an hour, I have a couple quick questions. So has about two or three weeks ago, Secretary Walsh put on Twitter that he wanted questions from Americans. Did anybody respond? Did anybody get a response from him? No. Um, I saw that tweet pretty shortly after he. I follow him on Twitter mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, and I copied and pasted his tweet into our Facebook group and said the United States Secretary of Labor would like to know what questions we have for him. Have at it. Here's the link. And and our members went crazy on his tweet. <laughs> Here's why are you attacking our livelihoods? Please talk to us. Why won't you talk to us? Not a single person got a response. And and yeah, and I had put on there because I had invited, I actually sent an email to the Department of Labor asking him to come on Labor Relations Radio. So I was hoping I'd get some sort of response. Nothing yet. No, we've never gotten any kind of useful response from the White House at this point. Anyone coming out of the White House at this point, they their goal seems to be to keep real, legitimate, independent contractors away from the table and out of the room. Because the minute you let us in the room, you can't win the debate against us. We're not hurting anyone. We're not being harmed. We're happy with what we're doing. We'd like to be left alone. It, it's very tough to say, well, we need to take your career away. It, it, once we're in the room, they have a real big problem. So they're trying to keep us out of the room. Yeah. Which is why it is good, I say again, to have media skills in this situation, because we are not going to be kept out of out of the conversation. That is not going to be allowed to happen. So let me, uh, we should probably close off, but let me, let me have you give everybody the links and I'll put them again. I'm going to put the ABC test, what it actually is under the audio portion of this, but also the links and all of that. But again, I, I suggest that people follow you on Twitter. If they're freelancers, join the Facebook group. Um, you have more news and stuff going up there daily than I could keep track of. So you've become, as I said, you're my go-to source for that. Well, it's all of us, obviously. Anybody who sees anything from the group, um, we encourage them to come in and post it. We all, we obviously can't keep track of everything everywhere as individual human beings, but as groups of people watching out for this stuff, we're pretty mighty. Um, so, yeah. yes, people can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, if you just type in Fight for Freelancers, you will find us. We have a website with a contact form. If you want to be on our mailing list for things like press releases, 
And uh, if people want to follow me personally, as you said at the top, it, my Twitter handle is at the Kim Cavan, which is K-I-M-K-A-V-I-N. There's apparently another Kim Cavan who got to Twitter before I did, so they're <laughs> You're at the one. <laughs> I had to put in a V, so it's not out of arrogance. It's out of who the heck, how can there be another person with that name? It's the oddest name in the world, but yeah, there's apparently yeah. two of us. So yeah, please come and, come and hang out with us. Our, our members are, like I said, our leaders, our founders are freelance writers and editors, but our members cross all kinds of professions that this affects. If you get paid on a 1099 or if you pay people on a 1099 and you want to learn more about this, come on and join us. We, we would love to have you because we want to learn more about your profession too. It helps us understand how to fight better to stop this thing. Right. Well, Kim Cavan, thank you for coming back to Labor Relations Radio. And I want to just, anytime you see something, I'm going to reach out to you or you reach out to me and I want to have you back on because I think you're a valuable resource, especially for the listeners. Well, it's not just me. There's a lot of other people shoving stuff into this brain here, but thank you. And we're happy to talk. And, and we appreciate the opportunity to be heard. Um, it's important to make sure the media narrative is not just we're trying to protect Uber drivers because that's not what's happening with this ABC test. That's not, that's not accurate. It's not the truth. That's not what's really going on. So we appreciate right. the opportunity to come here and talk about that. All right. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. So that was Kim Cavan with Fight for Freelancers USA. And her website is fightforfreelancersusa.com. I'm going to leave links to a number of things under the audio portion of this episode of Labor Relations Radio, including the actual definition of the ABC test. And as Kim was explaining, the B part is where uh, it's been weaponized, to use her terms. So if you have a chance, check it out. And also, as I mentioned at the outset of this episode, please share these episodes of Labor Relations Radio with your colleagues. These are important issues affecting the workplace. And in the case of freelancers or gig workers, it affects 59 million Americans or about a third of the U.S. workforce. So, again, thanks for listening as always. This is Peter List, your host at Labor Relations Radio. If you'd like, check us out on Twitter at Workplace Report. That's at Workplace RPT. Or leave us a comment under the audio portion of this episode. Or give us a call at 1-888-668-6466. Thanks for listening. to Labor Relations Radio.